Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. We've embarked upon a new series uh, for preaching and teaching from the book of Philippians. We launched this on this past Wednesday. I want to pick up uh, and give the second installment today from Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading at verse number 3. Verse number 3, Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 3 to 8. I do want to encourage everyone to uh, read the book of Philippians. Read the letter to the Philippians at least once or twice a week. Read the letter to the Philippians at least once or twice a week. Um, And sometimes you may want to just focus on a particular chapter for a whole week, you know. But uh, let's digest, devour Paul's letter to the Philippians as much as possible uh, during this month of September. Amen. Amen. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you and and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen. Amen. I want to talk today from the theme which is in the form of a question how do you feel about your church how do you feel about your church the apostle paul held fond intimate joyful thoughts of the philippians he had started this church during one of his missionary journeys and by the time he's written this letter he he has moved on in fact he wrote them this letter while he was imprisoned and wanted to thank them for their support of his ministry In this letter, he told them how he felt about them. This is a very personal, intimate letter from the Apostle Paul to the parishioners at Philippi. He felt good about this congregation. Ideally, every church member should feel good about their respective church. As we celebrate our 134th church anniversary, how can we feel good about ours? couple of things real quick we're going to raise up. Number one, dwell on the thoughts of your church family 
that give you joy and make you grateful. If you want to feel good about your church, first thing I would encourage you to do is dwell on the thoughts of your church family that give you joy and make you grateful. If you're really going to feel good about your church, you want to dwell on the thoughts of your church family that that give you joy and make you grateful. Look at verse 3. Verse 3, Paul says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. So Paul expressed gratitude toward God for the Philippians. His thoughts of them gave him joy. This, this happened when he thought of them all, the congregation overall, the church as a whole. Now Paul challenged the Philippians to unite and stand strong together and not to be condescending toward one another. In chapter 1, verse 27, and then in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And, and this makes us wonder if unity and humility were weaknesses with the Philippians. Also, there seems to have been some individuals within the Philippian church whose behavior could be put, uh, uh, could put grapefruit juice in the Kool-Aid. In fact, Paul called out two sisters, Yodia and Syntyche, uh, who had a disagreement when, that they needed to settle. He literally called them out by name in chapter 4. But despite their flaws, despite the flaws of the Philippians, and all congregations have them, and all congregations have them, despite the weaknesses of these worshipers, and all congregations have them. Paul said, Paul said, when I think of y'all overall, it makes me grateful and joyful that the Lord connected us. Paul had no regrets whatsoever of serving these people during his stay in Philippi. And I'm sure he was disappointed with Yodia and, and, and Syntyche, but he didn't allow their situation to contaminate his perspective of the Philippian church and make him throw the whole church away. Too often, unfortunately, too many church members do that. They, they allow what may be only a few people falling short make them throw the whole church away. Not so with the Apostle Paul. He, he didn't allow the poor behavior of a few people or weakness of the entire congregation to cause him to harbor bitterness or regret or church hurt. And church hurt is a thing. Church hurt does happen. But rather than be hurt by what the Philippians had done, he, he looked at the church overall and reflected on the Philippians with joy and gratitude. Um, have y'all seen the, the, the movie of Aretha with uh, Jennifer Hudson? It's called Respect. We, we watched it a couple of days ago, and I, I, I was rather disappointed with just this one scene where Forrest Whitaker was, you know, he portrayed Reverend C.L. Franklin. And I, I've been listening to C.L. Franklin for over 30 years. And. Uh, and he tried to portray Reverend C.L. Franklin closing a sermon and came nowhere close to sounding like uh, the late great Reverend C.L. Franklin. And I was disappointed in that one scene. And I'm so disappointed. I went to Facebook with my disappointment and said, now, you know, Forrest Whitaker, one of my favorite actors, I, I love him, but he should have left that scene alone. They should have edited that out and put that on the floor of the editor because it's just a certain way C.L. did it. And Forrest Whitaker came nowhere close. He should have just left that alone. But overall, I thoroughly enjoyed the whole film. I'm not going to allow that one scene to contaminate my take on the whole film. How I feel about the film reflects my perspective on the whole movie with all of the scenes and all of the characters. Not just one scene with one character. Don't let one scene of ministry or one character in your church make you disgusted with your entire church family. 
I pray you have good thoughts of your church family. I know some of you do not. Yet I encourage you to guard your spirit against allowing a few people or the flaws or weaknesses of our church to prevent you from having joyful, grateful thoughts of your church family. Dwell on the thoughts of your church that, that give you joy and make you grateful. I'm not saying to overlook folks who don't get along. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying don't allow it to prevent you from experiencing joy and expressing gratitude to God for your church family. I'm not saying to overlook the weaknesses of our church. I'm saying don't allow our weaknesses to prevent you from experiencing joy and expressing gratitude to God for your church family. Dwell on the thoughts of your church that give you joy and make you grateful. I'm simply saying that every now and then some of us ought to tell God, Lord, I thank you for my church family. Lord, thank you for my whole church family. God, thank you. Thank you for all of them. Even the ones that, that don't get along. Even the ones that I don't get along with. God, I thank you for all of them. When I think of my church family, I have to tell God, thank you. Somebody ought to be able to tell God, God, thank you for my family. And I hear what some of you are asking. I know some of you are asking, Pastor Clark, what if I think about our Union Grove church family and do not get joy or feel grateful? I hear you. Let me take you to my second point. And take it to my second point. Second, second point is your church membership should reflect God's why driving your life. Your church membership should reflect God's why driving your life. Paul was in Philippi because God put him there. God had a why driving Paul's life. If you were to ask Paul why he went to Philippi, he would have told you the reason why he went to Philippi was because God sent him there. According to Acts chapter 16, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia pleading for him to come over there and help him. He and Silas, Paul and Silas, made their way to Macedonia and eventually found themselves in Philippi. It was there in Philippi that they met Lydia and some godly women praying at the riverbank and led Lydia to Christ. All of this was because God was his why, was Paul's why for, for why Paul was in Philippi in the first place. He was sent to Philippi to spread the gospel there. Look at verse number five. Verse five, Paul says, Paul says, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Paul's relationship with the Philippians is founded and nourished out of a sense of his mission and purpose. The Lord sent Paul to Philippi to preach the gospel and serve those who would convert to following Jesus. Paul, a man of purpose and mission, arrived in Philippi looking for ears to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't looking for what he could get from a church. He didn't show up in Philippi with the intent of being a consumer. We cannot make church to primarily be about what we get out of it. Our reason for engaging in a church family must be rooted and grounded out of a sense of purpose, a sense of mission. The person looking for a church home needs to understand what God has anointed and assigned them to do and sense where he has assigned them to offer what he has deposited in their spirit. Just as God's why drove Paul's life, you and I should be driven by the same thing. If asked why we're members of our church, our response should be because the Lord planted us in our church family. 
All of us should be here to fulfill God's why, God's purpose, God's, uh, our God-given mission for our lives. When God's why is not the driver behind why you're in a particular congregation, it's easy for you to join the church for what you get out of the worship experience. When God's why, y'all are quieter than I expected. I, I had a feeling y'all would be quiet. When God's why is not the driver behind uh, why you're in a particular congregation, you can leave when you no longer get anything out of being there. When God's why is not the driver behind why you're in a particular congregation, it's easy for you to join and refuse to learn, serve, give, and connect, and then leave when the pastor or one or two other people offend you. One of the reasons, one of the reasons Paul felt the way he did about the Philippians was because they partnered with him in fulfilling his why after he left Philippi. The Philippians, the Philippians responded to Paul's why by partnering with him in spreading the gospel. This is what he said in verse 5. That's why his thoughts of the Philippians made him grateful and gave him joy. They partnered with him in his why. They believed in him. They believed in his purpose. They, they believed in his message that, that changed their lives and they felt it, they needed to help spread that message. So they partnered with him and helped him to spread it. Doesn't it make you feel good when people partner with God's assignment on your life? Doesn't it make you feel good when people show you they believe in you? They believe in God's purpose in your life they, and they want to sow into it. They, they believe in God's mandate on your life, his assignment on your life, and they partner with you so you can have the resources you need to do what God has called you to do. Isn't it wonderful that there are people who can see God's hand on your life or they simply want you to make it? They, they want you to be successful. They, they want you to do the doggone thing and make it do what it do so they write checks or put some cash in your hand or, or lay hands on you and pray for you or text you to affirm you and encourage you isn't it wonderful and keep in mind that Paul and Silas were put in prison in Philippi we just heard the message from the woman of God minister Danny Dukes last week about Paul and Silas praying and praising God at midnight uh, in the prison that happened in Philippi when Paul and Silas prayed and praised God at midnight and the earthquake came to open the prison doors and Paul and Silas were set free, that was in Philippi. Paul and Silas were phys physically beaten in Philippi. Paul's why got him in trouble in Philippi. His why attracted some haters. His why got him labeled as a troublemaker. His why got him beat down. Some of us probably would have been, would have been through, uh, would have been finished with Philippi, resolving to never return to Philippi complaining about how we were treated in Philippi traumatized by how we were abused in Philippi but Paul knew he had some saints at the church at Philippi who were saved because of his why delivered from sin because of his why lives were changed because of his why they financially supported him to fulfill his why loved him and affirmed him and believed in him because of God's why driving his life if that's your testimony it ought to make you feel good about your church how do you feel about your church you should give joy and be grateful but I hear what some of you are asking I know some of you are asking Pastor Clark what if I don't what if I don't what if I think about our Union Grove Church family and do not get joy or feel grateful I, I hear you I still hear you well your church membership should reflect God's why driving your life if that still doesn't answer your question let me take you to my third point point number three expect God to finish what he started 
in your church family. Expect God to finish what he started in your church family. I'm in verse six. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul had positive thoughts of what the Lord was doing in the Philippians. He didn't only see what people with poor behavior did. He saw beyond the saints and saw what the sovereign was doing. If we were to ask Paul why he felt the way he felt about the Philippians, he'd probably tell us, I see God at work, continuing the work he began and seeing it through to completion. In other words, Paul expected God to finish what he started in the Philippians. Ask, ask Paul, ask Paul, but what about Yodia and, and Syntyche? You, you, you act like you don't even see it. You, ain't, you, you, you act like you don't even see it. Paul would respond, I see it. We all see it. But I also see God at work, uh, uh, continuing the work he began and seeing it through to completion. Ask Paul about the division at the church at Philippi. What about the division? Everybody just needs to come together. Paul would declare he's aware of it and that God is at work, continuing the work he began in the Philippians and seeing it through to completion. Some of the stuff we get caught up on and get distracted by doesn't keep God from finishing the work he began in a church. Paul expected God to finish what he started in the Philippians church family. When Paul had the dream of the man from Macedonia, that was God beginning a work in Philippi. When Paul arrived in Macedonia, that was part of the beginning stages of God working in Philippi. When Paul met Lydia at the riverside, that was God beginning a work at Philippi. When Lydia and her house were baptized, that was God beginning a work at Philippi. And when Paul saw God blessing Lydia and her house to be saved from sin and delivered from darkness, baptized out of bondage, free to follow Jesus. He saw God beginning a work. God built his house by building Lydia's house. Wish I had some help. God built his house by building Lydia's house. It began in Lydia's house and more folk got saved because of what God had begun in Lydia's house and built his house by working in Lydia's house. What God did to bless her house built his house. He builds his house by working in your house. She, she and her house got baptized and she opened her house to host Paul and Silas. This was the beginning of the work God was doing in Philippi and what God did to bless her house built her built his house and God not only worked in that house but through that house and and another house and and another house and and the beautiful thing about God is he's not isolated to any one particular house he can bless in your house and your house and all of y'all house and and your, does anybody need God to bless in your house God builds his house by blessing your house as they partnered with Paul to spread the gospel. Paul saw God at work and was confident the Lord would continue this work of generosity, continue this work of evangelism until Jesus returned. The Philippians' generosity in supporting Paul's evangelistic missions was God at work. So when the Philippians partnered with Paul, they were partnering with God and his work through the apostle Paul. And Paul says, I'm confident, I'm persuaded, I, I am assured that what God began in that house, that he will see it through to completion. Some people cannot see God at work because they're allowing the devil to distract them. 
You can be so distracted by what's going on with Yodia and Yodia and, and Syntyche that you miss God working in your midst. You could be so engulfed in issues where, where there's division that you miss on the agreement to partner with God and, and partner with ministry that's changing lives. Don't let the devil distract you. When God is at work, he'll finish what he started by using the resources he put in his people. And I'm confident that God is at work in and through Union Grove, and I'm expecting him to finish what he started. I just want to know if I can get at least two people to agree with me. Let God use you so he can finish what he started. Let the Lord lead you so he can finish what he started. Don't let the devil get you down and keep you down. He can't stop what God has started unless we let him. Let me say that again. We, the devil can't stop what God has started unless we let him. One more time and I'm moving on. The devil cannot stop what God has started unless we let him. But I'm confident. That, that, that God will finish what he started. And I got a witness in the back. Amen. How, how do you feel about your church? You should give joy and be grateful. But I hear what some of y'all are saying. I hear what some of you are asking. Pastor Clark, what if I think about our Union Grove Church family and, and do not get joy or feel grateful? I hear you. Where your church membership should reflect God's why driving your life. Expect God to finish what he started. And if that still doesn't answer your question, let me take a deep breath. Take you to this fourth point. You, you might want to take, take a deep breath too, this fourth one. Uh, some of y'all may want to put your mask on first and then take a deep breath in the end. Point four is, you should have a right to feel the way you do about your church family you 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 should have a right to feel the way you do about your church family you can't miss this one all of y'all streaming you can't miss this one you should have a right to feel the way you do about your church family look at verse 7 verse 7 Paul says so it is right that I feel, or rather, so, so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. Paul, what'd you say? So, so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of y'all. Paul, Paul said his thoughts of the Philippians were fair. His thoughts of them and how he felt about them as a whole were just accurate and appropriate in the courtroom of Paul's mind and heart he has tried the Philippians and rendered a verdict his verdict is that the Philippians did something very good wonderful and helpful he is so sure of his verdict he said his feelings toward them were well earned by that congregation they are the reason he feels how he feels toward them. They, they made him feel the gratitude and joy that he experienced when they crossed his mind. Now, this is a serious matter because as kingdom people, we do not have the right to be unfair with how we feel about people. 
We cannot be a people who render unfair verdicts toward others. The truth is, sometimes we harbor feelings of bitterness and anger toward others and unfairly render a verdict that they mistreated us. And when they cross our mind, we aren't feeling any gratitude or joy. Followers of Jesus do not have the right to be unfair with our feelings toward others. I'm saying we cannot conclude we've been mistreated when we have not been. Jesus said, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard, the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus said, be careful how you render your verdicts of other people. When we judge, we render a verdict. Whether you treated me fairly or not. Whether you were good to me or not. Whether, whether what you did was good or evil. And I know, and, and, and all of us, if we need to decide. We're either going to be kingdom or world. And the world would have some of us to believe that no one can tell you how to feel. And that your truth is your truth. That when you express how you feel, you're expressing your truth. Well, if your, if your truth is that you've been mistreated by someone and the truth is they did not mistreat you, your truth is rooted and grounded in a lie. If you feel someone has been unfair with you, and if the truth is you got what you deserved, but your truth is you're hurting, your truth is you're in pain, your truth is you've been treated unfairly, when the truth is, as Paul told the, told the Philippians, I got every right to feel the way I feel about y'all. It's a well-earned feeling. Y'all make me feel good. It's well-earned. What you did was a wonderful thing. You earn how I feel about y'all. And some of us who have done folk wrong and they're hurt, they may have a right to feel hurt. But if you, if you were not treated unfairly and you just don't like how you were treated and you're wounded, if you're wounded because somebody told you the truth about you that you needed to hear, your truth needs to be they told me what I needed to hear. It's not walking around talking about, this is my truth, I'm hurt. The world would have you to believe you can feel however you want to feel and no one can tell you you don't have a right to feel that way. Jesus said, when you're rendering a verdict, and we all do it, you need to be careful. The standard you use in rendering your verdict with others, be careful. God will use that same standard to render a verdict about you. How do, I, how do you feel about your church family? You need to be fair. You need to be fair in the verdict you render. When Jesus talked about judging others, he was talking about rendering verdicts. His command to all of us who follow him is that we are to be careful and just in our verdicts because the same standards we have for others 
is the same standard that God that that can come back to us when we're judged by our father. He said the same standard we, 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 we use in rendering verdicts against others is the same standard that can be used against us. We cannot condemn behaviors God would not condemn. Looking at the other side of that coin, we cannot condone behavior that God would not condone. We need to be accurate with our verdicts and fair in our judgment. This is one thing that separates us from the world. The kingdom of God is to be a people who are known for treating others fairly. Are y'all with me? As a follower of Jesus in the kingdom of God, be careful with the, with the verdicts you render. When you were a child, did you ever get angry with your parents? I mean, I already know the answer to the question. I just thought I'd ask anyway. I just... Did you ever get angry with with your parents when you thought they were being unfair or mean I know I did plenty times your perspective may have changed when you became an adult or when you became a parent yourself especially if you raise a child who's just like you my wife loves to remind me of the one time we were in Flint, David was cutting up and I got on him and my mother said, he's acting just like you. <laughs> to this day, she loves reminding me that time my mama said, in her presence, the worst thing mama could have done. He acting just like you did. You, like me, probably look back and realize you may have been a little too harsh on your parents. Come on, tell me the truth. Anybody ever look back and realize? Come on. How many of us grew up and we were a handful? And realize that a bunch of those beatings you got, you earned them. <laughs> you had to mature and realize that sometimes when you were angry with what they wouldn't allow you to do or where they wouldn't allow you to go or whatever, they were really looking out for you. And you were being unfair with the verdict you rendered against your parents. Such a tendency to render unfair judgments is some baggage we carry into adulthood. This is baggage we carry into adulthood, into marriage, into careers, and even the church. Is there a remedy? Is there anything that could help us get better at rendering fair judgments so that when we feel how we feel, we got a right to feel that way because we've rendered accurate, just, fair, God-glorifying judgments. Is there anything that can help us? The answer is yes. This takes me to my fifth and final point. Number five, and I'm done. Pray for love to overflow in your church family. Pray for love to overflow. In your church family. Paul says, listen, let me, let me give y'all some, some help with your judgment. Verse, verse 9, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. And that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Paul loved the Philippians dearly, as he expressed in verse number 8. And it showed how he prayed for them. 
He prayed that their love would abound, overflow. Such a love would influence their judgment. He's saying, I'm praying that your love would overflow and, and make, you, make you render better verdicts. I pray that your love would overflow and make you a better decision maker, especially as it pertains to other people. Such a love would influence their judgment. The conclusions they would draw, the verdicts they'd render. Can you imagine a church where love overflows? Paul said it would be a church where people do an excellent job in, in judgment. They'd focus on, in verse 10, they'd focus on what really matters. What's going on with Yodia and, and Sentaiki? That don't really matter. It's a deal, but let them work that out. It, there's other stuff more important. Helping to finance the gospel advancing, that, that really matters. Division in the church, oh, that's a big deal. But don't get too caught up on that. Focus on what really matters. What really matters is the gospel spreading. He said this type of church that overflows in love will be filled with people where Jesus Christ is producing righteous character in their lives. There will be so much love that people will be sensitive and careful, full of care about how they treated one another and rendered verdicts about one another. They'd be very sensitive and careful, full of care with the words that would come out of their mouths because they would want to they would not want to unfair, un unfairly offend anyone. A church with an overflow of love would definitely be an exceptional church if you ever needed one and we need churches with an overflow of love as we live in a world with an overflow of hate some churches would be an oasis of hope for the downtrodden the desperate and those desiring uh, deliverance this world this world which overflows with hate needs churches overflowing in love and love is the only power strong enough to combat hate Love is the only power strong enough to defeat hate. Who else in the earth has such a mandate to love their neighbor as themselves? Who else in the earth has such a mandate to love their brother in the Lord as Jesus loves them? Not the government. They, they don't even try to act like their policies reflect love for those who are governed. Not, not those in the military. Not those in the judicial system. Not the business sector. The church is the only organism in the earth with the mandate to love. And here Paul told the Philippians whom he loved that they prayed that he, that he prayed their love would overflow let's pray that prayer let's pray that prayer ourselves regardless as to how you feel about your church pray for love to overflow in your church family when you think of your church say a prayer when you think of the members of this church say a prayer pray that our love would overflow when folks get on your nerves pray this prayer that love would overflow in our fellowship when your church runs across your mind pray this prayer and let it begin in you did you hear what I said? I said, let it begin in you. Bring love to the church family in every situation. Love too much to render unfair verdicts. Love so much that you want everybody to be blessed. Love so much that you want everyone's God-given why to be appreciated and supported and embraced. Love so much that everyone will say, that church over there, that church sitting on that corner across from Cam Campbell, they overflow with love. Pray that love overflows in your church and trust God to do it in you and trust God to answer the prayer. How many of you know that God will answer prayer? I said God will answer prayer. If you pray for God to cause this church to overflow in love, God will answer the prayer. But you can't be worried about them and pray this prayer. You can't be worried about Euodia unless you are Euodia and pray this prayer. You can't be worried about what's going on with Euodia and Syntyche if, if you're going to pray this prayer. You got to be worried. Jimmy got to be worried about Jimmy. Danny got to be worried about Danny. Nikki got to be worried about Nikki when Nikki prays this prayer. David got to be looking at David when David prays this prayer. You can't look at... You 
listen, you can't pray this prayer looking through a telescope. You got to pray this prayer looking in the mirror. You can't pray this prayer looking through a telescope at everybody else's business. You, you can't pray this prayer when you got everybody else under a microscope. You can't pray this prayer when you got everybody else's flaws under a microscope. You, you can't pray this prayer when your church is under your little, your little carnal microscope. No, you got to pray this prayer looking in the mirror. God, work on my love deficiencies. God, work on me how I'm falling short in love. God, work on me and stuff that came out my mouth that don't reflect love. God, work on my heart that, bar- that harbors bitterness. God, work on my heart so I'm overflowing with love God you can work on me I just want to know is there anybody here willing to pray this prayer and render yourself as a living sacrifice so God can work on you and if God is doing it through you you ain't got to worry about anybody else love is overflowing if it overflows from your heart I just want to know is there anybody here who loves Jesus enough to let this prayer be answered in your life I said do you love Jesus enough to let this prayer be answered in your life Jesus the one who overflowed in love so much his love caused him to take nails in his hands his love overflowed so much he took a nail in his feet his his love for us overflowed so much he died one Friday night didn't he die buried in a borrowed grave but his love overflowed for you and I so much that he was buried in that grave but early Sunday morning I said early Sunday morning early Sunday morning he got up with all power hallelujah all power how much love does he have he got enough love to get up out that grave with all power in his hands hallelujah bless his name loved us so much with an overflow of love he could look beyond our faults and meet our needs for salvation meet our needs for deliverance meet our needs for healing meet our needs for salvation God he loved us so much that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us the ungodly (laughs) died for us the ungodly God dying for the ungodly my God my love for him hallelujah my love for him has to drive me to help help me love y'all your love for him has to help you love your neighbor as you love yourself how do you feel about your church regardless as to how you feel do what Paul did dwell on the thoughts of your church family that give you joy and make you grateful Your church membership should reflect God's why driving your life. Some of you aren't going to feel better until you realize you're not where God wanted you to be. And you ain't going to be happy until you're planted according to God's why on your life and even when you get there you need to realize that a lot of times it's not the other folk who make you unhappy it's your inability to be happy you're unhappy at the last church that's why you came here expect God to finish what he started You should have a right to feel the way you do about your church family. 
Some folk who complain have no right to complain. Pray for love to overflow in your church family. If you receive it, give God praise. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.